Welcome to Career Path, a podcast where we meet with professionals in the business and investing world. Like you, we want to gain insight and advice from business leaders regarding their careers, investment choices, and other life recommendations. Through this podcast, we are able to learn what makes these leaders so successful and hear about the challenges they overcame along the way. I invite you to join us while we explore a multitude of industries and talk with people who have already experienced this journey. I'm your host, Tony Harris. Now let's begin our journey. Today I got to talk with one of the Royals Investment Fund directors, Andrew Walker. Andrew has had an admirable career path and currently serves as the Chief Investment Officer for Parable Wealth Partners. In this episode, I converse with Andrew about his learning experiences and how he became the CIO at Parable. If you are interested in financial analysis, wealth management, or investing altogether, this episode is for you. Well, Andrew, thank you for being with me today on the show. I really appreciate uh, your time here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. So obviously, uh, you are a Bethel grad as well and a one of the directors on the fund. Uh, so I've gotten to know you pretty well. Um, but for the listeners that don't know you, can you tell me and tell us a little bit about your career path, uh, where you started and, and you know, how uh, you got to your position that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could take that question a number, to a number of different levels, but uh, I guess I'll start just really quick. When I, when I was 13, I uh, had the opportunity to learn about stocks and mutual funds when my grandpa gave me a few dollars to invest and, you know, took that, uh, my excitement around that and, and pursued a degree at Bethel in finance and econ and it kind of just affirmed that, yeah, that's something I really wanted to do um, in working uh, with some of the professors there. I got involved in the uh, CFA Research Challenge, which is a student research competition um, sponsored by a professional society uh, that um, sponsors a designation, a uh, professional, professional designation that's widely uh, regarded in the investment industry. So it gave me some great experiences to like what an investment job would be like, um, gave me great networking opportunities, um, meeting different people uh, who were in those jobs, um, and also just gave me some great experience on my resume to start to pursue those jobs as well. So after college, I, uh, I did a few things after, after college, but within about a year, I signed up for uh, CFA level one, there's three tests, and um, around the same time, maybe six months after I signed up, started working at uh, an asset manager in YZ, analyzing small cap uh, equities. Um, so I kind of had this great opportunity for a couple of years to both study for the CFA level one, two, and three tests um, and really get, you know, expand upon my foundation, uh, investment foundation that I learned at Bethel to be even more, more deep and more, uh, uh, I don't know if Sophisticated is the right word, but you know, CFA is uh, in a lot of areas of investments viewed, you know, kind of like a master's degree. So, kind of took that knowledge from an undergrad level to another level. Uh, but at the same time, I was able to be in this job uh, that provided me with great opportunity to actually apply what I was learning at nights during the day. Um, and it was just a great experience. I had a great mentor there, worked there for a few different years uh, before ultimately. Uh, taking a, a new job at Alina Health, uh, where I worked on the corporate treasury team, um, 
specifically, I guess, helping manage the 401k monies that they had as well as a balance sheet portfolio. My primary job there was to help uh, uh, analyze different uh, funds that we invested our money in. So mutual funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, and things like that. Um, and it was that, yeah, that was also a great experience and kind of really cool to be sitting on that side of the table because before I was working for an asset manager that had a, a fund, and now I was working for an asset owner, an institutional investor that uh, invested in, a, you know, not the exact fund, but funds like I used to manage or help manage. So I've been able to, you know, kind of get experience from several, several different parts of the investment industry that I think has really helped shape my understanding of how things work. And I was there for about three and a half years. So it's just a fantastic place to work. Again, blessed with a fantastic mentor, uh, but ultimately uh, just out of the blue, this uh, new opportunity presented itself that uh, it was a really difficult decision because I, I love my job there, but um, just uh, started to I connected with Parable Wealth Partners, part of the Thriving Advisor Network and started getting to know some of the people on their team there. And over the course of several months, um, I guess came to the decision to to leave Alina and, and join join Parable. That's awesome, and obviously, as you mentioned, uh, a ton of great experience, well-rounded um, experience to really put you in a great position um, as the CIO at Parable today. Um, before we get into that position specifically, you know, obviously, you mentioned um, you you had experience from a very young age in investing. You were 13 years old, um, and you pretty much knew going forward, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to be in investments. I want to be in finance. Um, for those students out there that maybe, you know, haven't had that experience and they're coming into college and they're a little bit unsure of exactly the route they want to go down. I mean, you know, what's a quick tip you have for them as they're trying to figure out, you know, do I want to go into finance or uh, do I want to go into marketing? And I guess what I'm getting at was uh, maybe that's that was my experience in college. You know, if if you were to talk to basically me as a freshman, uh, and I were smart enough to ask that question back then, um, what what would you say to me? It's a great question. Uh, I would say network, network, network. Uh, networking is has led to some of the greatest uh, career advancements for me, and knowledge advancements, uh, and job opportunities than than anything else. So. What I would do from the get-go is, you know, whether it's through a professor introducing you to alumni or whatever, just start grabbing coffee with people, doing phone calls, doing Zoom calls, just learning about what they do, have a spirit of curiosity. And I think through that, you're gonna learn a lot about what is out there, what the landscape is. In college, you kind of have like these blinders up, you have no idea, right? People ask you, you barely know what your major is gonna be, let alone what you're gonna do after college. So just being able to, you know, have a spirit of curiosity and spend the time doesn't have to be a ton of time, but I, you know, a couple meetings a week or something like that to to learn what other people are doing that are maybe five, ten years out of college. So you can kind of learn from them and learn from learn about how they got to where they are and what they do, and if that's interesting to you, because um, that'll not only like help you know give you direction in terms of where you want to go, but it'll also help you get those internships sooner. That's the second thing mm -hmm. that I would do is try yes. to get more internships. I waited till my senior year to get an internship and it worked out fine. It was a good internship and mm -hmm. you know, everything, everything worked out, but um, I think it would have been incredibly beneficial to, you know, even start my sophomore year, right? Like I had a Absolutely. job every year, every summer, but if that job were an internship instead of, 
you know, I was working for an electrician and things like that, you know, great right. life skills there too, but, yeah. um, you know, doing networking to get those connections, to get those internships earlier on, I think would have uh, maybe jumpstarted my career a little bit faster. For sure. No, I think, I think that's a great answer to that. Um, networking is, is so vital, especially in this day and age, you know, there's a stat out there. I think it's like 70% of uh, jobs or internships come from networking. So yeah, right on with that. Um, transitioning back into, you know, your present day, um, you are the chief investment officer at Parable Wealth Partners. Could you tell me a little bit more about that role? Yeah, absolutely. So my role sits uh, within the investment team here. It's a group of, of four of us. And what I'm primarily tasked with is uh, you know, helping build the model portfolios that we use to manage our client accounts. So we, we have different portfolios uh, that uh, are targeted at different uh, risk profiles. So a conservative model for a conservative aggressive uh, investor, an aggressive model for an aggressive investor and everything in between there. So we build these models uh, using mutual funds and ETFs. And uh, I guess I'm responsible for helping uh, pick those funds, helping create the asset allocation between the different asset classes, equities, bonds, US large cap, small cap, international, what have you, and try to do that in a way that uh, builds the best portfolio possible for our investors or for our clients. That's wonderful and definitely very meaningful and, uh, you know, big decision-making kind of job going on there. Now, I'm curious, um, before that, you worked uh, as a senior analyst at Alina Health. Um, what ultimate, ultimately made you want to go from, you know, that analyst position over to the wealth management side? What was kind of like the kicker there? You know, I think the the main driver for me, um, I guess it's twofold. One, the the team that I'm on uh, is on this mission to change the story of wealth to one of hope and contentment. Hmm. And you know, everybody has a mission. Everybody has value statements, and you know, companies live that out to you know greater or lesser extents. But uh, this company not only lives it out, but it's truly a reflection of the values that the employees have. And it's super cool to be part of it. It aligns with my values. Um, you know, the idea of being able to, you know, make a tangible impact with through through my expertise and the work that I do every day in the lives of, you know, uh, people, everyday people, clients, people saving for retirement, living in retirement, uh, just very meaningful to do it in a way where we're not, you know, trying to reinforce this mentality of how do you get more, but hey, you, you have enough and how can we, bring you to a state of contentment so that you can, uh, you know, really try to just invest uh, yourself in other areas of your life that bring you joy. So it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, so I'd say first and foremost, that that's what brought me to the team. It's, right. it's, it's so unique and so cool. Um, but, you know, secondly, being able to be in a position where there's more decision-making happening, you know, before as an analyst, making a ton of recommendations and presentations and things like that. And super interesting as well. And, you know, I wasn't looking to leave, so it wasn't something I was trying to get away from, but really, you know, the first point I mentioned as to why it came caused me to look and consider this. And then, you know, uh, I, I'm always one seeking uh, further advancement and development and responsibility. And, you know, that obviously played into it as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I guess, the challenge of that also that uh, was interesting to me. For sure. No, I think that's really cool. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, being somewhere that really aligns with your own values is a lot easier to work at. Um, and, you know, you mentioned going somewhere 
to be able to do things that allow you to make decisions. Um, in, in that regard, how do you approach investment decisions as a chief investment officer? Um, and, and really, what are some of the biggest factors you're looking for when investing into a new company? Well, first and foremost, um, we don't buy and sell stocks and bonds uh, all that much. I think that that's something that used to occur quite a lot in the wealth management world. Uh, you know, you'd have brokers calling up clients to buy or sell this stock or that stock that might be hot, um, to, you know, uh, sometimes with success, sometimes with not. But, you know, as a result of some industry movements, you know, regulatory wise, fee compression wise, it's more and more common and uh, more and more prudent, I guess, to put on the allocator hat, which is an allocator is somebody who allocates dollars to, you know, other investment managers that have a, a specialty, right? So instead of managing a small cap growth allocation ourselves, mm -hmm. we're going to use a mutual fund that has a team of 30 people doing that, right? right. So if we have, you know, 15 or 20 different segments like that in our portfolio, we can add a lot more value for our clients by, you know, outsourcing the actual management of those stocks and bonds to large teams of experts, right? Sure. And where we primarily add our value is risk management, diversification, um, you know, asset allocation, making sure that uh, a client is appropriately positioned for the market dynamics that we're seeing. Um, and then also making sure that's all appropriate and uh, um, custom to a client-specific situation. So we're more high-level, and we outsource the the really nitty-gritty decisions as it relates to one security or another. Because you know, if we were to look through all these different funds that we use, you're going to get hundreds of different securities. Right. And the value that I can add for a client, not to mention the fact that we have you know a lot of clients, um, the value that I can add by, if I were doing it myself, buying or selling one security, making the correct decision there is so small compared to saying, I think we should be, you know, put X percent more international, international equities or do, do this to ensure more portfolio diversification. So that's where we really try to focus our efforts. We think we get more bang for our buck um, doing that and, and make that active decision to hire someone else to do a great job doing other things, you know, that we, we choose to spend our time differently. For sure. No, that makes sense. Um, uh, kind of a uh, side question regarding that. Do you think they're like, for someone that's doing their own individual investing, do you think that that um, model can provide a lot better long-term growth for someone and stability than trying to do it all on their own? I absolutely. And for a number of reasons, there's behavioral biases, right? That mm -hmm. we're all subject to. And if you're not educated, um, even if you are educated about right. these behavioral biases, it's incredibly difficult to overcome them. So to the extent that you can, you know, create for yourself or hire, uh, you know, professionals like ourselves to, you know, that rely on a more sophisticated or systematic uh, right. process to, you know, approach your portfolio management with uh, processes that hopefully eliminate a lot of these behavioral biases, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not that we uh, do things perfectly, but, you know, the classic example is selling low and buying high when you really want to be buying low and selling high, because, you know, when the market's going 
up, 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 and up, you think you should buy, but you might be buying at the top. Or if it's going, sure. once it's gone down 50%, you think you should sell, but you should really be buying. And, um, you know, it's hard to overcome those behavioral biases. So my answer to that would be, you know, yes, there's a lot of value that can be added through, uh, you know, using a professional advisor. Uh, but there's also value added in doing it yourself. You know, that's kind of how I got started, right? As I yeah. referred to earlier, um, you learn a lot. Uh, you <laughs> learn how to make good decisions, bad decisions. Um, uh, but I would recommend kind of budgeting out a, a dollar amount for your investment portfolio for you to manage yourself, whether it's fun or whether you just want to learn. You know, you don't need all your money to do that. Mm-hmm. So what I generally you know, recommended friends and things like that do uh, would be to just say, okay, why don't you take, you know, 5% of your, your assets or something, some small amount that you're comfortable losing, right? Um, if you really want to, if you enjoy it or you want to learn more about it, um, I see nothing wrong with that. But, cool. No, that, you that's don't want to, you don't want to be overconfident. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Because the market can change at any point for any reason. Uh, something that I've learned personally. Um for, you know, for those that are looking to get into the investment industry, whether that be an analyst or wealth management positions, um, you know, coming out of college, what, what do you think is the best way to start and really how to get into that industry from, you know, from your knowledge, from what you've seen recently? Yeah, you know, like I've said earlier, networking helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Internships in college help a lot. If you're super serious and uh, have a, you know, a high degree of confidence that, you know, being in the industry is what you want. Uh, pursuing the CFA designation is also incredibly helpful, even without the designation, having signed up for a test or passed level one or two or three um, can really help you get interviews. It shows that you're mm-hmm. serious. It gives you a knowledge base too, that is helpful um, in your job, even if you don't have the designation, right? Um, so I'd say, I'd say, you know, thinking about the CFA designation is something that uh, could be super helpful. Cool. Yeah, that that makes sense. My final question for you, um, you know, it really does pertain to your time in college is if you could go back to your time in college, um, it could be any year, you know, just any time in college. What advice do you wish that somebody gave you or that you could go back and tell yourself? I've never been able to relax super well. Like I tend to be more laid back and easygoing, but as it relates to like classwork, you know, work, internships, uh, things like that, I I kind of, I can get somewhat uh, intensely kind of hard on myself. So your college is a unique time where (laughs) you're with your friends, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. You have a lot of responsibility, but it's, it's way different than being after than after college, right? So don't uh, take that for granted, take full advantage of it. you know, I, I spend more time studying than I probably needed to. It's kind of the 80, 20 rule, but right? you can probably do 80%. 80% is good or really good. You probably don't need a A plus, which is going to take uh, a lot more of your time than it's required. And right. you know, so spending the time with your classmates, spending time doing intramurals, um, you know, having new experiences like that, I think is uh, something I would have done a little bit more. I definitely did a lot of that, but uh, you know, I skipped out on a lot of movie nights and hmm. and things like that. So I could go, you know, study statistics. And, right. <laughs> you know, I don't know what my problem was, but <laughs> yeah. And I guess just to double down on that point too, it's, it's a really good skill to have to be able to know when you're at that, you know, 80% uh, 
is good enough. Uh, rather than spending 80% more time getting to like 90% or 100% or whatever. It's a, it's a life, it's a really good life skill because in college, you know, you do have less responsibility and you're able to, you know, spend all sorts of time if you, if you need to or want to on your homework, right? And yeah. in real life, you know, especially now that we have, a, and my wife and I have a newborn at home, it's like, right, I, I can't and should not work, you know, 15 hours a day or whatever it is that I feel like gets me to that 100%, um, you know, learning how to, you know, prioritize and get things done in a way that's good, it's good enough. You don't need to do more. Don't spin your wheels, be more efficient with your time. That's a skill that's understated, I think. Yeah, really finding a balance. Yeah. yeah so I think, don't feel like you're slacking yeah. at college when you're doing that, just like <laughs> reinforce yourself by saying, hey, that's that's a good life skill to have. Exactly, but not necessarily getting C's and D's, but no, no, I'm not saying C's yep. and D's. Like you know, shoot for the A. Yep. Right? But don't kill yourself over it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being with me today. It was uh, great to talk to you and really hear all those all those lessons and experiences from you. I I really value your time and uh, look forward to staying connected with you in the future as well. Good to do it. Thanks for having me and thanks for uh, doing this podcast. It's it's awesome. Now you got to learn about Andrew Walker and his career path from Bethel University to becoming the Chief Investment Officer at Parable Wealth Partners. To learn more about the Royals Investment Fund and what we do, you can go to our website at www.bethelroyalsfund.com. Follow us also on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm your host, Tony Harris, and I'll see you next time. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a practice name or doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. Parable Wealth Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Thrivent and its financial professionals do not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional.